All right, as we head into warmer weather across much of the U.S. in the coming months, one way to stay cool and continue to get a good night's sleep is by checking out Bull and Branch Bedding and Sheets. They're a brand that we love here at Mo News. We only endorse products that we love. And we've been using Bull and Branch for more than two years now in our home. The sheets have been great, soft, breathable fabric that works for both cold and warm weather. We noticed the quality immediately and have gotten a few different sets in our house. I know Jill has as well. They're made with 100% organic cotton, completely free from toxins. I know that is very important to a number of you. And it's not just sheets. They have blankets, duvets, pillows, a whole variety of products to ensure you get a good night's sleep. And right now, they have a great deal for the Mo News community. Go check them out. I promise you will not be disappointed. Again, they get softer with every wash. So the deal right now is 15% off your order when you use the promo code MONEWS over at bullandbranch.com. That is bullandbranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code MONEWS for 15% off. Exclusions do apply. See site for details. Okay, everybody, let's get started here with another podcast edition. It is Tuesday, October 11th. I'm Moshe Wanunu, and you're listening to the Mo News Podcast. This is the place where we bring you just the facts from verified sources and a breakdown of what matters in the news. We read all the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. Here's a bit of what we have in store on the podcast. Russia unleashing its revenge for the bridge explosion, lobbing dozens of missiles all over Ukraine, hitting civilian targets. I'll give you the latest from there. There are new details on the cyber attack that several American airports experienced on Monday, apparently traced to Russia. We got a warning yesterday about the economy from the head of JP Morgan. I'll tell you what Jamie Dimon is saying. Here at Mo News, we're gonna continue to watch the recovery efforts in Florida. We're not gonna forget the people who suffered from Hurricane Ian. I'll have the latest from down there. And I'll end with the story today of a North Carolina community that rallied behind a man with Down syndrome who is wrongfully terminated from his job. Okay, let's get started here with what's happening in Ukraine. Vladimir Putin unleashed a broad aerial assault against civilians and critical infrastructure across Ukraine on Monday. This is all revenge for that bridge explosion over the weekend. This was probably the most significant assault since those early days of the invasion back in February, early March. The attack killed at least 14 Ukrainians and wounded at least 100 others. This strikes knocked out power across major cities in Ukraine and cut several key services. They did receive international condemnation. President Biden condemned the, quote, utter brutality of Putin's illegal war. We also saw major statements from NATO and across Europe. And significantly, while India and China avoided direct criticism of Putin, they did renew their calls for immediate de-escalation. Both of those countries, India and China, are key trading partners for the Russians. So reading between the lines here, uh, the fact that they actually called for de-escalation after what Russia did to Ukraine, it's sort of a hint, hint, Putin, bring it down a level. There were dozens of missile strikes from Lviv in the west to Mykolaiv in the south to Kharkiv in the northeast, 11 cities in all. The missile slammed into civilian areas as Ukrainians were on their morning rush hour commute. They were clearly aimed at crippling Ukrainian energy facilities. Now some hit, but then some hit parks where kids typically play uh, and hit civilian areas. It's unclear if the Russians intended to hit civilians in those cases or not. They do have a history of targeting civilians and the new commander the Russians put in charge over the weekend 
That was effectively his MO during the war in Syria, hitting civilian infrastructure and really bringing civilians to their knees in order to try to bring about an end to the war. So that's the Russian tactic here, is to potentially hit civilians to the point where Zelensky might concede. Putin said in a televised address that this was all in response to that blast on the Russian bridge that connected Crimea and Russia over the weekend. Uh, the Ukrainians have not taken responsibility for it, but they did celebrate the explosion, which gives you a sense that they were probably involved in what took place there. The Russians have partially reopened that bridge, but wanted to send a message to Ukraine uh, calling it a terrorist attack. And Putin threatened that there will be further strikes like what we saw on Monday against civilian targets if Ukraine continues to hit Russian targets. One way to read these attacks on Monday is that they were designed to placate some Russian hardliners uh, back in Russia who are calling for Putin to intensify the war. The Russian leader has faced mounting criticism for his army's very poor performance and the fact that the Ukrainians have reclaimed more than 1,200 miles of territory in just the last month. People across Europe took to the streets on Monday night to protest the Russian large-scale missile strikes. As I noted, there was a reaction from the White House. Biden actually got on a call with Zelensky where he pledged to continue to provide Ukraine with the support they need to defend themselves, including advanced air defense systems, which would help in this case take out some of those missiles before they hit targets in Ukraine. Zelensky, for his part, said that air defense is the number one priority right now for the country. Ukraine does have an extensive network of local air defenses. They've been uh, largely effective at knocking down some Russian missiles, including some of the missiles on Monday, but they can't stop all incoming Russian attacks. So they're looking to the U.S. to deliver a couple national advanced surface-to-air missile systems called NASAMs to Ukraine. The Pentagon said in late September they have two of those systems headed for Ukraine, with six more potentially on the way. Here in the U.S., we got a bit of exposure to the war on Monday. At least 13 U.S. air travel websites, including those for Hartsfield Airport in Atlanta, LAX, O'Hare. You would recognize some of these if you travel here domestically. Those websites were inaccessible on Monday morning after a Russian hacktivist group named them as targets for a cyber attack. Now, thankfully, there was no indication that any airport operations or air traffic control were targeted or were affected by this. But Monday is a sign of how some of these pro-Russia cyber groups can cause mischief for U.S. websites. The knockout of more than a dozen airport and travel sites on Monday appears to be the work of the pro-Russia group Killnet. Killnet incidentally targeted the websites of several U.S. states last week. That included Colorado.gov as well as Kentucky.gov. What Killnet does is specialize in what's called distributed denial of service attacks, DDoS attacks, uh, which overwhelm a website with so much traffic that they effectively bring down the website. Sometimes it'll knock a website off for hours, sometimes as long as several days. Right now, most of the airport sites are back up according to some of the alerts I've seen. But again, uh, if you saw a uh, travel website down on Monday, that was the work of some Russian hackers. Okay, before we get to the rest of the day's news, I want to take a quick ad break here. This really is big news as we continue to grow this podcast. We have our first big sponsor this week. That's Athletic Greens. I just started taking their AG1 supplement powder a couple weeks ago, and I'm very excited to share my experience with you. So last year, I was feeling a bit sluggish. I ended up meeting with a nutritionist. They ended up prescribing me a whole regiment of vitamins, some to take at breakfast, some for lunch, and some for dinner. It really is a lot of pills to keep track of and has gotten a bit expensive. My goal was to replace some, if not all of those supplements, and I have been able to do that now with just one scoop of the AG1 powder. I had one this morning. You just throw a scoop of the powder into a glass of water, and it's really that simple. The AG1 powder contains 75 important ingredients, tons of vitamins, minerals. It also has pre and probiotics to support gut health. All of this really combines for a strong immune system as we head into cold and flu season. Really view it as your nutritional insurance policy. 
So we're excited to have Athletic Greens and their AG1 powder as our sponsor here on the Mo News Podcast. And we have some extra good news if you're a Mo News listener. If you head right now to athleticgreens.com backslash Mo News, they have a special offer for listeners. In addition to the monthly deal for the AG1 powder at less than $3 a day, you will also get a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs of AG1. Again, the website is athleticgreens.com backslash monews, M-O-N-E-W-S, to learn all about what AG1 can do for your health and take advantage of this offer. Again, you get those 75 important ingredients with that powder daily for just about $3 a day, along with a special Mo News offer here, a one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs. Okay, back to the headlines. Now, we're not going to forget about the victims of Hurricane Ian here at Mo News. Here's the latest on what's going on in Florida. It has been 13 days since Hurricane Ian made landfall in southwest Florida, pummeling the state from the uh, west coast up through the east coast as a massive Category 4 storm. The governor of Florida, that's Ron DeSantis, announced on Monday that the efforts in the state are now shifting from rescue mode to, quote, rebuild and recover mode as the state prepares for the long-term impact and rebuilding effort. The initial efforts in these first two weeks were all about search and rescue, power restoration, emergency housing assistance, and supply distribution. More than 2,500 rescue operations have taken place. DeSantis said that over 1,000 search and rescue personnel have checked more than 100,000 structures over the course of the past two weeks. Ian has been blamed for more than 100 deaths, the overwhelming majority of them in Southwest Florida. It is now officially the third deadliest storm to hit the U.S. mainland in the last two decades. That's behind Hurricane Katrina, which killed about 1,400 people, and Super Superstorm Sandy, which had a death toll of 233. Now, while power is back for the majority of Floridians uh, out of an initial uh, power outage of 3 million, there's about 15,000, 15,000 homes that still don't have power. But the issue right now is that thousands of Floridians still cannot return to their homes, uh, which might need to be leveled completely at this point due to the damage. As Florida focuses on Hurricane Ian recovery, they also marked on Monday the four-year anniversary of Hurricane Michael. That was the Category 5 that went through northwest Florida like a buzzsaw. DeSantis committed an additional $126 million to the affected communities across the panhandle. Even four years later, there's still rebuilding efforts happening in that part of Florida as well. But back to the immediate issue in Southwest Florida, I was reading an AP News story on Monday in regards to the death toll. And we now know about two thirds of the ages of the victims, the vast majority of them were over the age of 60. Many of those victims were found dead in their homes. But Ian not only killed more old people, it also created a uniquely difficult situation for those who are elderly trying to rebuild. The affected area had a lot of retirees and state authorities are concerned that many of those who lost their homes might not have the time or energy required to uh, engage in such a difficult task. And there's also the issue of tighter building codes right now in Florida, which will make the process much more expensive. I've put a link in my show notes to a number of organizations that are helping the victims from the storm. Okay, we're staying on top of economic news here on the podcast. We got a major warning from a top banking CEO on Wall Street Monday. Jamie Dimon, he's the CEO of JP Morgan, warned investors yesterday that he expects markets to remain volatile for the foreseeable future and that the market, the S&P 500 average, could fall another 20% as the Federal Reserve continues to raise interest rates. The market is already down 22% 
uh, from its peak. This is a warning from Diamond that the market could fall yet another 20%. He was asked on CNBC where he expects stocks to bottom. He says he couldn't say for sure, but he could imagine a situation where the market could drop another 20%. He told CNBC the range of the further drop could be anywhere between 10% or 20%, but he did say that this 20% drop will be more painful than that first 20% drop we've already experienced this year. Diamond noted that Europe is already in a recession and he expects a recession in the US to arrive sometime in the next six to nine months, so by early summer. Diamond continued to say there's a whole range of possibilities here. He said that the downturn in the US uh, at some point in the spring or summer could be very mild. It could also be quite hard. He said that a lot will depend on the outcome of the war in Ukraine and whether things escalate there. Asked what companies should be doing right now, he said that if you need money, go raise it immediately. Staying with economic news here for a second, congrats are in order for the former Federal Reserve Chair, that's Ben Bernanke, you might remember him. He was among a group of economists awarded the Nobel Prize for Economics on Monday. Bernanke was the Federal Reserve Chair from 2006 to 2014, uh, helped oversee the recovery from that 2008 financial crisis. He, alongside two other academics on Monday, uh, that's Douglas Diamond of the University of Chicago and Philip Dibvig of WashU St. Louis, were awarded uh, the Nobel Prize for Economics for their work on reshaping how the world understands the relationship between banks and financial crises. The work of the three economists goes back to the 1980s. Their research delved into how banks become vulnerable to upheaval, how bank failures worsen, and how the system might be made safer in the future. Now, while the work of some economists is very theoretical, this was very practical. And in fact, these findings by Bernanke and the two other economists have proved relevant to real-world policy over the course of the past few decades. Central bankers looked at their lessons in 2008, including when Bernanke himself was the Federal Reserve Chair, to find a, a way to get out of financial meltdown in 08 without letting the world go into a depression. Bernanke is a renowned historian when it comes to the Great Depression, and he didn't want that to happen again. He's used that research in his work here with the other two economists. Their work also became relevant in 2020 when the world shut down during COVID uh, to ensure that that also did not turn into a long-term depression. So congrats again to Ben Bernanke, Douglas Diamond, and Philip Dibvig for their big win of the Nobel Prize for Economics. All right, we're continuing to track the uproar here over Kanye West's anti-Semitic comments on Twitter and Instagram over the weekend. The post got him temporarily suspended from both platforms. To review here, he said he would go, quote, DEFCON 3 on Jews, still unclear exactly what he meant there. He implied that Jews have too much control over the world and celebrities and push an agenda that he opposes. West's comments were reminiscent of a lot of anti-Semitic rhetoric we have seen for centuries, going back to uh, Nazi Germany, going back to Tsarist Russia, etc. Even the writings of Henry Ford, which is a whole separate podcast at some point, the founder of Ford, huge anti-Semite. Kanye's tweets were reminiscent of some of the things Ford would write in his newspapers in the 1920s and 30s. Anyway, the concern here is that Kanye has tens of millions of followers on the social media platforms, and the remarks come at a time where anti-Semitic incidents are on the rise in the U.S. Among those speaking out is actress Jamie Lee Curtis, Here's a bit of what she said on the Today Show on Monday. DEFCON 3 on Jewish people? What are you doing? This is, it's, it's, I mean, it's bad enough that fascism is on the rise around the world, but on Twitter, on a, on a portal to pour that in as if Jewish people haven't had it hard enough. Yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis's father, Tony Curtis, was Jewish. Curtis has taken to Twitter to call out the remarks as well. She says she hopes that Kanye can get the help that he needs, that his children were not affected by his views. She added that if she doesn't speak up, she doesn't know who will, and she calls on others to use their platforms to call out West's dangerous rhetoric. 
Unfortunately, our next story has to do with another controversy related to dangerous rhetoric. This one has embroiled the LA City Council. Los Angeles City Council President Nuri Martinez has resigned as the body's president. That's after making racist remarks about a fellow council member and their black child. This all involves audio that leaked out from a conversation last fall that just got out in the media uh, recently. The conversation was all about redistricting and Nuri Martinez wanting to ensure that Latino districts kept their funding. In the audio that leaked out, Martinez and other council members are discussing council member Mike Bonin. He is white, but has a black child. A quick warning on the language here. She has heard on the audio tape recounting a conversation about Bonin saying that he thinks he's effing black. Martinez says that Bonin appeared with his son on a float for an MLK Junior Day parade and handled his young black son as though he was an accessory. Bonin's son, by the way, is eight years old. The LA Times also reports based on their listening of the audio that Martinez at some points describes Bonin's child as a monkey. So Martinez has resigned as the LA City Council president, though she still sits on the city council Council. In her statement, she said, quote, I take responsibility for what I said, and there are no excuses for those comments. I'm so sorry. But that's not enough for a number of groups, including the NAACP. They're calling for the full resignation of Martinez from the city council, as well as everyone who was involved in that audio conversation. They're also asking for a full investigation into what happened. Okay, we're going to head a bit farther out in the Pacific, actually really, really far in the Pacific, to a place that's been referred to as the most isolated place on the planet, Easter Island. If you're not familiar with it, it's about a thousand miles east of Eastern Polynesian Islands and more than 2,000 miles west of South America, really isolated. It has some of the most unique wildlife um, on Earth, as well as these iconic carved stone figures called Moai. A fire ripped through Easter Island this week and has caused permanent damage to a number of those stone figures known as the Moai. They are effectively giant statues with giant heads that were made by an ancient tribe more than 500 years ago that used to inhabit the island. Easter Island is also known as Rapa Nui. It's actually managed by Chile, which, uh, as we note, is about 2,000 miles uh, to the east, but they administer the island. Authorities are saying that the high temperature of the forest fire accelerated the process through which these stone carvings will eventually turn into sand. The local mayor there said that the damage is irreparable and immeasurable. There are an estimated 800 of these Moai statues. Half of them are actually inside of a volcano there. The fire burned through uh, 200 plus acres. It barely affected an area inside the volcano where there's about 100 of the Moais. About 20% of them are damaged. It comes at a tough time for the island um, as it just reopened to tourists in August. Okay, we're hearing extensively for the first time about William Shatner's experience in space. A Captain Kirk himself, if you remember the old original Star Trek, he went up into space last year, last October. It actually made him, at age 90, the oldest human to ever visit space, and he's writing about it in a new book. While astronauts for decades have described their trips to space as breathtaking and humbling, Shatner, who, by the way, is now 91 years old, had a very unique observation, kind of a bummer, actually. He says as he went into space aboard Amazon Blue Origin, the space tourism flight, all he saw was death. He writes that it took him several hours to realize what he was experiencing while he was on space looking back on Earth, and what he said he realized is that he was experiencing great grief for the planet. He's been heavily involved in environmental causes for years. He says that there was a juxtaposition for him between the cold, dark, black emptiness of space and the warm, nurturing Earth below. 
He writes about this all in his new book that came out last week called Boldly Go, Reflections on a Life of Awe and Wonder. He says while he felt this sense of death, it did spark a realization. He writes, quote, I discovered that the beauty isn't out there. It's down here with all of us. Leaving that behind made my connection to our tiny planet even more profound. So sort of a bummer there until you read between the lines that what Shatner is really saying here is how much we all need to appreciate and show gratitude for this planet that we have. Okay, I'm gonna end here with one uplifting story out of North Carolina about the power of community. I just came upon the story of Dennis Peak. He's a man with Down syndrome who had worked at a Wendy's in Stanley, North Carolina, that's just outside Charlotte, for more than 20 years. Dennis loved his job and was actually planning to retire soon. He's really excited about a retirement party. But that was until he was abruptly fired last Wednesday. According to his sister, Kona Turner, she took to Facebook to tell the world what happened last week. She wrote that he was told he was unable to perform the duties of a normal person's job. Turner wrote extensively about how her brother Dennis loved that job and had done it for more than 20 years and was actually looking into wrongful termination of a special needs employee. But what's remarkable is what happened next and really speaks to the power of social media. So he gets fired on Wednesday, told that he can't do the job of a normal person after 20 years. Well, Turner then takes to Facebook. Within hours, the word spreads. Last Thursday morning, the next day after he was fired, she said that she received a call from the Carolina Restaurant Group, which owns and operates that Wendy's, saying Dennis could be reinstated in his role. They apologized for the firing. They called it a, quote, unfortunate mistake and lapse in protocol and said they're taking appropriate action, trying to use this as an opportunity to retrain all of their teams on protocols. So Dennis Peak apparently had a conversation with his sister, Kona Turner, after being his offered his job back. They took the weekend to think about it. And I'm reading out of reports out of WSOC, that's a station out of Charlotte, North Carolina, that the family says he will not now be returning to his job. His sister wrote in a new Facebook post that I feel in my heart at this point, I should do what's best for my brother. And he just wants to retire at this point. She describes her brother as a fun loving guy who always has a smile on his face. Apparently he was confused by this whole situation, but is very excited to be finally having his long awaited retirement party. His family said they're looking to host the party at the beginning of November and that the entire community will now be invited and involved. We here at the podcast are wishing Dennis and his family uh, an early congrats on a well-deserved early retirement. Uh, hopefully no one will have to go through this in that community, in that state, or really nationally ever again as these types of stories get out there that folks with special needs are treated equally, including over there at the Carolina Restaurant Group, which uh, is using this to retrain all their teams, which is good news. All right, I want to thank everyone for listening to the Mo News Daily Podcast. A reminder to check out the link to Athletic Greens, the special offer in the show notes. They are our first big sponsor this week, so a little traffic to their website would help. So go check out that link in the show notes. Before you go, also please follow or subscribe to the show on the app you're listening to us on. It'll make sure you don't miss a single episode. Just hit follow up there in the right-hand corner, typically on Spotify and Apple and some of those other apps you listen to us on. Also, please leave us a review. Every review matters and helps us continue to grow this show, move up the ranks. I'd love your feedback on how we're doing. You can email me over at podcast at mo.news. You can also subscribe to the Mo News newsletter over at monews.bulletin.com. We did a deep dive into the state of the education system and the teaching crisis in this country in the most recent issue. So you can go check that out over at monews.bulletin.com. And you can follow me over on Instagram at Moshe at M-O-S-H-E-H. I'll see everyone back here tomorrow.